This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I want to talk to you about the brand new golf ball markers from Matchstick Golf. The golf season is upon us. The Masters is right around the corner, and Matchstick is ramping up and raring to go. They've recently released two markers in collaboration with Manzanita Lynx, one of Oregon's best coastal golf courses. You can get King Seve, the Seagull, or the Spirit of Oregon Crest right now. Or if you want to grab something more formal, grab the all-new Bachelor Cash Stack, an all-new marker featuring a wad of $100 bills bound with a black bow tie and finished in gold. It's perfect for a bachelor party gift for your groomsmen. And of course, you can always use code TURN20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. Head to MatchStickGolf.com and get all-new markers at a great price. MatchStickGolf, set fire to the greens. Hey, it's Joe. Nick and I recorded an episode just before the news broke that Pumpkin Ridge is scheduled to host the second event of the Saudi Golf League coming up this summer. So I did want to jump at the mic, share a few thoughts before we get to our regularly scheduled program. Now, the Saudi Golf League is something that has been talked about for the past several months, and the idea is really simple behind it. It's a rival league that Greg Norman is trying to create backed by the Saudi government, and they're trying to use a lot of money to entice the best players in the world to get away from the PGA Tour and play in their golf league. It's been a very public battle over the last several months between Norman and the PGA Tour. 54 whole events is what the premise is, no cuts. Shotgun starts over the first two rounds. Regular tee times for the final day. Purses, $25 million a pop. There's going to be a team aspect to this as well for more prize money. Who will be teeing it up is very much up in the air right now. Norman says he sent 250 players around the world a letter last week inviting them to play. The PGA Tour and its commissioner, Jay Monahan have threatened to ban players who participate or prohibit them from competing in PGA Tour events if they're a part of the new league. Phil Mickelson has been deeply involved in this to the detriment of his public perception. He's been in hiding the past few weeks. Because he called the PGA Tour obnoxiously greedy in a Golf Digest interview. Shortly after that, Phil acknowledged the Saudi government commits human rights atrocities, but then in the same breath said there was enough money at stake to potentially draw big-name players away from the PGA Tour for the purposes of creating leverage to force the PGA Tour to give players like him more revenue. Phil was also involved in drafting the league's business proposal. It was a pile of hypocrisy and nonsense. As a result, Phil lost several sponsors and is on leave from the game. His status for the Masters, which is just in a couple weeks now, is in doubt. Phil wasn't the only player associated with this. Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, their names were floated around a few months ago as being offered huge sums of money to participate in the Saudi Golf League. But after Phil stuck both feet in his mouth, several players, Rory, Brooks, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, Bryson, and Dustin Johnson, publicly committed their loyalty to the PGA Tour. Should note, this isn't Norman's first attempt to usurp the authority of the PGA Tour. When he was one of the best players in the world in the early 90s, he unsuccessfully tried to start a rival tour. His thing is that the independent contractor status of players should allow them to compete where they want, 
when they want, without constraints. The PGA Tour's rules say a member must play in a minimum of 15 tourneys per year and seek releases to compete in conflicting tournaments, which is essentially permission to play elsewhere for a week. So that's where we are now. After months of speculation, stops, starts, emails, and statements, it's beginning to look like this golf league may actually happen. With who and to what degree of success remains in question. What's not in question are the obvious political ramifications of the league being backed by the Saudi government. Now, the country held the first professional golf event in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi International was held in 2019 as part of the European Tour. It was a sanctioned European Tour event. That occurred just months after the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, a critic of Saudi Arabia's government. That's in addition to numerous human rights atrocities. You can Google it. They're there. It's disgusting. That event, the Saudi International and the New Golf League are widely viewed as an attempt by the Saudi government to sports wash its controversial human rights record and approve its image. The Fried Egg Podcast, another golf podcast, if you're not familiar, they did a really strong interview with a expert explaining the concept of sports wash. It's a government and a country trying to deflect human rights issues by hosting sports events. So China and Russia hosting the Olympics, it's the same sort of thing. You would imagine that any Saudi golf league event is gonna be met with some level of controversy, especially in a place like Portland, Oregon. So we've talked about Pumpkin Ridge before, but for those who are unfamiliar, it's a 30-year-old facility in North Plains, which is west of Portland, just outside the metro area. They have a public and a private course. It's hosted numerous events, big-time events. A couple of U.S. Women's Opens, Corn Ferry events, and most famously, Tiger won his third U.S. Amateur there. When the news broke, I immediately called Pumpkin Ridge to speak with someone about the news. They referred me to Escalante Golf, which manages a few dozen swanky golf courses around the country. Another one of their courses is hosting an event later on in the Saudi golf season, one of the eight events. I called and emailed the person I was instructed to contact and received a very expected response of, I appreciate your interest in the event at Pumpkin Ridge and recognize that this is big news for the golf world. Escalante Golf and the team at Pumpkin Ridge will not be participating in any interviews. This to me is an acknowledgement of Pumpkin Ridge knowing that they're taking dirty money. If it was announced last week that Pumpkin Ridge was hosting a U.S. Women's Open coming up in five years, you know who would be saying yes to every single interview request is Pumpkin Ridge. By them not wanting to talk about this event being hosted at their golf course in four months, that is an admission that they are doing something wrong. I think it's pretty cut and dry there. Now, I don't necessarily think this is going to impact the long-term image of Pumpkin Ridge. Right now, it's just a report and Pumpkin Ridge acknowledging the fact that they are going to host one of these Saudi Golf League events. And this is something Nick and I talk about all the time, but let's not pretend golf is this very progressive game. Up until, you know, the early part of this century, women weren't allowed to be members at Augusta National Golf Club, which is the host of the most famous tournament in the world, the Masters. And frankly, there's probably not a lot of people who care that this is happening at Pumpkin Ridge, or there's probably a lot of people who are excited about it because you're going to get, presumably, some professional golfers that come out to this golf course. I mean, it's going to be sort of the middle of the pack. You're not going to get the Rory's, the DJ's, and the Bryson's, but you could get a Lee Westwood who's been associated with this. You could get other European tour players that are in their 40s, people you've heard of. And for some people, they don't care that this is being put on by a government who does a lot of bad things to a lot of people, its own people. And I think that's just going to be the way it is. I don't think this is going to affect people wanting to play at Pumpkin Ridge. And if, in fact, this event does go on, there's going to be some protests. People protest things in Portland, Oregon. That's just the way that it is here. Personally, I don't think that I feel comfortable playing at Pumpkin Ridge moving forward. If this is something that they go through with, it's a very slippery slope. And Pumpkin Ridge was probably cut a huge check for this to be put on 
at their golf course. When you walk into the clubhouse of Pumpkin Ridge, there are pictures of champions, people holding the trophy for the most celebrated event in women's golf, the U.S. Women's Open. Pictures of Tiger Woods are everywhere. David Duvall won, it was called the Nike Tour then, but he won an event on the AAA Tour for the PGA Tour. And Pumpkin Ridge is thought of as the premier golf course in the Portland, Oregon metro area. That's the standing that it has. Will this affect that in people's minds? I don't know. It does for me. It really does. This changes my perception of Pumpkin Ridge. I played there like three weeks ago, and I'm disappointed that this is happening out there. I can't believe Pumpkin Ridge is hard up for money. They charge a lot for their public course. They charge a lot for people to be members. It's really disappointing, and it sucks that this is happening at Pumpkin Ridge, or at least it's being reported that it's going to happen. It makes me feel bad. It sucks. I don't like it. People will make up their own minds about it. That's how I feel. In addition to contacting the golf course and this Escalante Golf Group that manages the organization, Pumpkin Ridge, I also tried to get a few Pumpkin Ridge members to talk to me about it to get their sense of it. Because in addition to the report being put out there, a letter to the members of Pumpkin Ridge was made public. So Pumpkin Ridge has confirmed that this is coming to their golf course. And some of the highlights of that letter that went out to membership was, like I said, they confirmed Pumpkin Ridge plans to host the event. The initiation fee for new members is going up. Annual dues for existing members are going up. Facility improvements are going to be taking place. Car path repairs, drainage improvement, tree work, lots of work to the clubhouse. As a result of those improvements that they're making and the tournament being held, the course is going to be shut down for eight days. Now, I don't really know how Pumpkin Ridge members feel about this event coming to their course. I have a pretty good idea of how they feel about their course being shut down for eight days and them having to pay more money. So either the political aspect of it or more likely the financial and them not being to be on their course for eight days during the middle of golf season, I'm sure is going to be upsetting to a lot of members out at Pumpkin Ridge. I would love to know. We never will. We're never going to know how much money Pumpkin Ridge was paid to host this event. I'm sure it was a lot. I'm sure it was a lot. Those are my feelings on it. It's a bummer. It's what's happening. And with that, Nick and I talk about bad weather and a lot of fun stuff. So we'll get to a regularly scheduled episode. Thanks for listening. turn it's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else here are your hosts nick heidelberger and joe simons hello hello welcome into another episode of at the turn action-packed show for you today the spring is here kind of we're going to talk about playing golf in bad weather also going to discuss a topic that i put in the rundown just the acronym and Nick, you sent me a question mark back asking what this thing was. Yeah, I see this this PCC. Has this happened to you? And I'm like, oh my god, like what what is what is PCC? Um, and I actually so that, just to cut you off so you don't incriminate yourself, I actually sent you the wrong thing that it stood for. So apparently, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I do know what it is today. It's the playing conditions calculation going to dive into that a really fun mad golfer of the week and i'm sure an outstanding nick rules but let's start with the masters now we're still ways away well a few weeks really it's it's not that far away now but we have a promotion going on with piper golf right now leave a review on apple podcasts with your masters winner if you're right mike the founder ceo president HBIC is going to send you a sampler pack of Piper golf balls. And hey, if you can't wait, if you want to get them now, go to Piper.golf. Use that promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off of your purchase. Nick, are you circling the wagons in your master's winner? Are you, are you, have you done any research yet? I have done no research. The, the only thing I'm, I'm worried about is my prediction that Tiger Woods will make the cut in the master's. That's... <laughs> That's not looking so good. I was thinking about that the other day. That how confident was Nick was not only going to play or 
Tiger was not only going to play in the Masters, but he was going to make the cut. Um, he hasn't announced either way, but it's not looking still, promising. Still a possibility. I would think if we don't see him play in a PGA Tour event in the next week or two, it's not going to happen. The Masters will not be his first event back. By the way, did you see any of the footage of him getting inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame? I did watch his speech after the fact. His daughter is so tall. That's a 14-year-old girl, and she's six feet tall. What's the move? You're a parent. What's the move if your daughter is 14 and six feet tall? If you're going to push her into some sort of athletic endeavor. You don't, you, don't, you don't push him into anything. You just let that butterfly fly, man. I see. So if she's a scientist, uh, a botanist, any of these things, you don't say, hey, maybe maybe we try to shoot some hoops. Maybe we put a golf club in those hands. I mean, she knows what sports are. If she wants to try it, you you know, you let them you let them try it. You don't have okay. to you don't have to push them into anything because then they just hate you and that sport. <laughs> Look. You're the parent in this conversation, so I'm going to defer to you. Samantha Woods is going to be whatever she wants to be. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I pissed Nick off <laughs> right out of the gate. No, I'm, it's it's all good. Let's get to my weekend because the golf season is here in Portland. We are posting scores. Nick, right out of the gate, 381s. So I am picked up That's... right where I have last year. Of solid, mediocre golf. Don't even say just last year. When I first started playing golf with you, no matter how good or how bad you would play, every round was an 82. And I was just – I remember sitting at the bar one day after a round with you. This was like the – like within three or four months of of even meeting you. And I'm like, so do you always shoot 82? (laughs) You're just like, I don't know, man. You could make five birdies. You could make no birdies. No matter what, it it was always 82. So it sounds like you've gotten a stroke better in the last 10 years. Well, I looked I looked at my early stats and I'm hitting like 60% of greens and I'm have like 38 putts and I'm never getting up and down. So I don't know what's happening. It's fine. It's fine. Now, Joe, the I, reason I, gotta, I bring just, up No, I I we 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 got to go into that a little bit a little please. bit more. Just I implore you. If you if you're hitting 10 greens around and you have 38 putts, I mean just just for just for two rounds, just for two rounds, commit to not leaving any of your first putts short. That is, that's where you're at. That's where you live. Okay. The, the sweet spot is 18 inches past the cup. Just that's your mindset. Every putt, nothing short. Try to get it a foot past the cup. I I, I will bet you'll have you'll, you'll you'll drop six putts off that. 38 putts, Joe. You you can't be doing that. Well, I will say, and and that, and then I'll get to the point of this, but. I played at Pumpkin uh, a couple weeks ago, and I hit one on a par three, and it hit the slope, and it rolled to about two feet. Maybe it was more like three and a half, four feet. But it broke a ton, and these guys are saying, come on, Joe, knock it in. And I said, in all seriousness, I'm just trying to die this up there and tap it for par. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. That is so sad. I know. I'm defensive on four-foot birdie putts. That's the state of my game right now. Mm. I'm striking it great. Last weekend, the weather was terrible. It was one of those weekends where you make plans to play golf early in the week. All right, the forecast is five, six days out. Let's hope that baby changes. And, you know, you see the little rain cloud emoji with the percentage of precipitation chance. And you see 70% and go, oh, we'll still have 30% chance. Then the week went on and it was 80%. It was 90%. And then Saturday night, it said 100% chance of rain all day. 7 a.m. to noon, and all overnight. We tee off at 8.30. But me and my dad, it's his first round of the year in the men's club, so we say, screw it, we're going to go out there and play. Easily the worst conditions I've played in in 15 years. Muddy, wind is howling. It actually didn't rain as much as they said it was going to, but it was still not fun really most of the time. Two of the men's clubs groups went out. So typically you have, I don't know, 50-ish guys going out on a Sunday morning. Last Sunday, we had eight guys, two groups. The first group only made nine holes, did not make the turn. 
they quit. We didn't. We pressed on. And it got me thinking a couple of things. A, why am I out here? And B, does the 21-year-old version of me want to be out here? If I was 15 years younger, would I be more excited about what's happening right now or would I still hate it the same way? So I pose to you, Nick, did your tolerance for playing in bad weather change? Because you've played golf long enough now to have a history with the game and your own time out there. So are you someone who's going to get out there no matter what or are you more fair weather these days? Has parenthood changed that at all? I've always been uh, a a poor weather player. So like I'll play if the we- if there's like any way I can convince myself that I can play golf in the weather, th- then I'm going to do it. Like, I've played golf in in 30 degree temperatures quite a bit. Um, you know, I used to have a, a winter pass to this this golf course in Idaho where like they would be open over the winter and it would be whatever temperature it was and in Lewiston like, in Lewiston, yeah. And like the ground would be frozen and I would go play. Um, rain, w- when it's raining, it's it's funny because we have the same like philosophy with walking our dogs and playing golf. Like if it's raining, there's not going to be a ton of other dogs at the park. So we can bring our dogs to the park because they're in go the herd. Other dogs. And like when it's raining, there's not going to be anybody else at the golf course. I can get around that baby quick. I can have the whole thing to myself. It's going to be fun. So I've always, I've always, been up to play in bad weather and if anything to be honest being a parent like extrapolates that because your opportunities to play golf are fewer and farther between and so like if if i can go play the weather is not going to be the thing that stops me like if i'm waiting for perfect weather like i'm probably not going to play golf like when i was 21 22 23 it was like yeah i could be at a bar like, I, I could literally be doing anything else right now but <laughs> today it's like dude if i'm not doing this who knows when I'm going to be back out here and what else am I going to be doing? Like probably some sort of chores. So to go back to the Lewiston point for folks that are unfamiliar with Idaho geography, what is the elevation change between Lewiston and Moscow? It's got to be a couple thousand feet, right? It, it could be. I know there's like a 7% grade that's like four or five miles. So whoever wants to do the do the math on that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's an incredible experience for the first time driving up or down that thing. Uh, but that's a 45-minute haul. And I actually, now that you say that, I'm pretty sure that we played in the snow one time in Lewiston during a winter. I feel like we did that. It was probably like a February round. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the side of a cliff. And the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour. <laughs> um, I'm with you by and large on wanting to play in bad weather. I just need someone else or a competition to sort of be the thing and the motivation for me to be out there. I just need something to be self-motivated and get out there in the conditions that I played in last weekend. It would have been bail time if I was by myself. It just, it just would have been. Now, I don't think I've ever done that before because of bad weather or because the conditions were so bad. I've always been the the person who has the approach of I'm already out here. Like, like you were saying, I came to do this thing. I'm wearing these clothes. I have peanut butter and jelly. I have all the equipment. I could leave and be really wet, or I could try to do this and leave in three hours. Is, I'm assuming that's your mindset too. Yeah, exactly. So have you ever bailed on a round before? I don't think I've ever bailed because of weather. W- one time... <laughs> You're gonna, you're gonna die. What about other stuff? Yeah, one time, one time I walked off the golf course on the third hole at U of I because I had the shanks. <laughs> <laughs> that hole leads right up, almost back to where the first hole in the parking lot is. And if you're gonna bail, I, I was like, dude, I can do this for three more hours and try to figure it out when I had no hope of figuring it out, and I knew I had no hope of figuring it out, or I was like. I could just go to the corner club. Like, I, I like, and to this day, I'm like, damn, like, it, it sucks because, like, you don't ever want to walk off the golf course. But I mean, I had a pass. It wasn't like I, I paid 50 bucks to, to, to shank the ball around for 20 minutes and then said, see you later. Um, I, I knew at that point, like, being on the golf course was the last place in the world. You I were, be. 
you were out there shanking it for 20 minutes. Like it was just, just everything was just off the hosel. Like I can't do yeah, this whatever right it was. It was, it was, it was something I, yeah, I, I wasn't going to figure <laughs> it out. On the, was it the <laughs> one hour of sleep you got the night before? <laughs> <laughs> that might've been, that might've been it. But yeah. Um, one time I walked off the golf course, that had nothing to do with the weather. I had the shanks and I just said, I, I got to get out of here. Man, that sounds, <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't with you. I have to be, I mean, it sounds like you, it sounds like you could use the moral support, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to see that. No, no, there was no. I mean, the, there's no like, oh come on, Nick, stick it out. Like maybe you'll hit a good one. Like what? Are you, there's no hope. You're, there's no hope. You just got to get out of there. So, are there any weather conditions that you would come to on a golf course and say, "I'm not even going in the clubhouse. I'm turning the car around. I'm hanging out with Ashley and the kid." I mean, of course. I don't know. I don't know what those conditions are, or the like why I would show up to the course in the first place. <laughs> if, like, obviously, at this, at this stage, you know, we know we have access to the information on what the weather's going to be. The I would internet. say I wouldn't play if it was super, super windy where like the ball's yeah. rolling on the green or like won't even stay on a tee or, you know, you know, your bag is tipping over and things are blowing all over the place. That would, that would get old pretty quick. Um Rain for the most part is fine. If it was like a really steady downpour, actually, I've one time in Hawaii I played in like the, the hardest rain I've ever been in, and I was just out in the middle of the course, nowhere to go, so I just finished <laughs> my round. <laughs> and like that, it was like it was like shower rain. You know what I mean? You just you're instantly drenched if you're out there for like a minute. So yeah, there's nothing I can do. I'm already as wet as I'm going to possibly be. Exactly. I may as well just do this. 100% saturated. So there's no there's nothing left to save. Um, yeah, I, there's not a lot of conditions where I would show up to a golf course and then decide, uh, you know what, not for me. Like if I'm well, there, the reason I've started. The reason I asked that is because I actually did do that one time. It was one of my good college buddies. This is probably about 10 years ago. And we say, you know what, Chris, you're here to play golf. We got to try to play golf. And I think it was like May or June. And we get to the course. And I'll never forget. We get our bags out of the car. We put our shoes on and we kind of exchange a look like, are we really going to fucking do this? <laughs> like the wind was howling. The rain was coming down. There may have been two other cars in the entire parking lot and it's noon. So we go inside and say, look, we're going to give it a go. If it gets really bad out there, can we come back and get a rain check? They said, of course, you'd be the only people out there. The only cars in the lot are ours. Give it a try. We'll see you in 20 minutes. <laughs> So I start this round and Chris is having a miserable time. And Chris is a better golfer than me. He's like a three. He's a better golfer than me. He doesn't listen, I don't think. Oh, he, he does listen. You know what? We're going to edit that out. Um, I start off really, really strong. I think I'm like even through two and missed a couple birdie putts. And I'm standing on three like, all right, let's go. Chris was having a tough time. And I could see the look on his face like, man, we got to get out of here. Because <laughs> it's one of those things where the umbrella you have it pressed against the wind so it doesn't go inside out in the opposite direction. And I just knew we had Who's to go. Who's getting their umbrella out in that big of a windstorm in the first place? Chris, <laughs> put it away, buddy. For some reason. <laughs> so that was the only time I bailed, and I'm glad we did. But uh, I wonder if Chris remembers that. I'll have to ask him. Nick, Clearly, the plane conditions calculation is not something either of us are well acquainted with because I thought I knew what it stood for. I didn't. Do you know what it is? Do you have a general idea behind this? Oh, yeah. I know I know exactly what it is once you told me what it was. Um, so it's basically when the handicap system shifted to the world handicap system. They implemented this thing. So if if you play a course – in the weather conditions that you just described, where where the umbrella is going to flip upside inside out, and I play the next day, and it's seventy and calm and easy, easy hole locations, uh, everything. And I, you know, post a score that's five strokes better than my handicap. You post a score that's five strokes worse than your handicap. Eventually, there's an algorithm that will take into account, like, okay, the course played tougher this day, it played easier this day, and they will adjust your, um. Differential, differential based on that. Um, I, I've i never had to worry about it happening because I've been playing my golf at Hemlock Ridge and I cannot imagine there's enough people. You, you have to have a certain number of people not only post scores, but post scores above or below their like 
average, you know, range. So um, it's only eight, actually. It's only eight people. So that means me and seven other people have to be posting scores from Hemlock Ridge on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> Just that in itself is, is, is a big ask. Huh? Yeah, that's never going to happen. So I noticed last summer the PCC because I remember when we had our episode talking about the differences between the old handicap system and sort of the unification of the world handicap system. This was one of the changes and I was really excited about it because I feel like when I go out in bad weather, that loyalty is seldom rewarded with a differential that's better than it otherwise would be. And when you look at your scores, I'm on the gin app right now. And when you look at your scores, there is a PCC next to each one of your scores. Almost every time it's blank because if there's no change to make, it's going to be blank. That's the zero. However, I had two rounds that were plus ones from last year. And I didn't look this up. I just assumed they were adding one stroke to my score because you think plus in golf is bad. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God. I did that at Oregon City and everyone else had a great day. I feel terrible. This is awful. But I looked it up and only four adjustments can be made. Minus one which means the course was exceptionally easy that day and you stunk it up out there. And as a result, not only did you have a bad day, but we're going to, we're going to add a stroke to your differential. And then you have a plus one, a plus two or a plus three, like Nick said, depending on how other people do on the course, if there are very unusual scores, then they course correct, figuring the conditions were especially difficult that day. So I actually had two rounds last year that I, I apparently played in difficult conditions now i don't know if that means that my score contributed like joe simons and 55 other people played worse than usual so we gotta help them out a little bit it was probably tough at oregon city golf club either way i'm happy to get the help i looked you now wait a minute were you, were you texting someone or were you scrolling through your app to see if pcc no. i well, this okay. is the state of my game i i was i was trying to check my pcc and then I, my phone reminded me that i haven't I'm not on the updated version of Gin Mobile because mm. I haven't opened that app since October. Um, and also while I was doing that, I realized that my Gin has expired um, and I haven't re-upped for this year. So I, I'm in a world of hurt when it comes to posting scores. <laughs> Our golf seasons are in dramatically different places right now. That's to be expected. You got a lot going on. As soon as Master Sundays hit, you're gonna be you're gonna be flying out the door playing golf. I can't wait for you. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'll send you a picture from the first tee of my first round of golf. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Um, before we get to our Mad Golfer of the Week, and this is a historic Mad Golfer of the Week, I want to remind the folks about one of our newest partnerships here on At The Turn, Tea Box Coffee. Nick, they sent me the cold brew. Now, we were talking before we started recording. You have an actual routine where you where, where you have a cold brewer. It is a specific machine designed to make cold brew. Is that right? Yeah, it's like a pitcher with a built-in filter. Um, you put the coffee in, it all it all clicks nicely together, and you, you oh. put it in there. You put it in your fridge, you pour it out, it strings it. It, it, do, it does everything. You just you just add water, put it in this little filter. It's great. I have not had a chance to use it because it's packed away. Because we started packing when there was two feet of snow on the ground, and we haven't moved yet. So the cold brew is gonna have to wait another week, but it's coming. We're not waiting out here. I've been using the French press. So what I've been doing is I've been dumping the grounds in, soaking them for 12 hours overnight. That's the bad thing with the French press when you have to do it all in the morning. It's like a 20-minute process for coffee. Not anymore with the cold brew. I let it sit overnight. I come out. I can barely see. I'm stepping on the cat. And I push that plunger down, pour it into my mug, add some ice, a quick stir 30 seconds later. I'm flying high thanks to T-Box Coffee. And you can too. Use that promo code TURN15 at checkout for this delicious roast-to-order coffee brand from the heart of Southern California. Nick, there's a golf course that a lot of people are difficult on, overly difficult, critical of, in my opinion, in Portland, Oregon. It's called Rose City. It is 99 years old. It is the second oldest municipal golf course in the Portland metro area. 
which is interesting because my home course of Glendivere was also built in 1923. So I don't know if this is something they both claim. They're actually on this, like, just down the road from each other. Mm-hmm. But people Rival really <laughs> people people really don't like Rose City so much that they call it Rose Shitty. And I take <laughs> wow. Umbridge. Yes, Get I take there. Umbridge with that characterization. I have to be the one to initiate my foursome going to Rose City as opposed to one of the other fabulous courses in the Portland area. There's a Portland City best ball that is hosted at Rose City. I'm having a difficult time finding a partner. Can I, can I can I take you off the rails for a second here? I can't wait. When you're texting your 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 golf group and you're like, "Hey, let's play this weekend. Where do you want to play?" Like what considerations do you have to make when you're picking a course? Is it is it location? Is it price? Like, what do people care about? Are they like, oh, I don't want to play Rose Shitty. Like, those greens were just aerated or what? Like, what do you, what things do you have to navigate? Because I think I'm going to start playing golf with people again. And uh, yeah, you this should. is going to be part of my world. It's a social game. This time of year, it's what course drains the best? How much rain have we had and what course drains the best? And of course, the most expensive courses drain the best, except for Pumpkin Ridge. But Langdon Farm, Stone Creek, Wildwood, which is this wacky joint way up north. And that's the one we're actually going to this Saturday. It's the one I proposed. During the summertime, I think we're looking for the hottest deal. You basically got to log on Sunday for your Saturday round. You start with the top tier. There's like four of these top tier, kind of your Pumpkin Ridge, the Reserve, where they had senior majors, Stone Creek, kind of these really nice courses in town. See if any hot deals are going. And you get to the next tier, sort of those middle of the road. I put Rose City in the middle of the road. I think most people would have it in the lower tier down at the bottom with East Moreland, which to me is one of the worst courses in the city, but is the oldest golf course in Portland. People love it. I don't get it. But there's many factors. It's usually weather considerations and price are the top two. Yeah, that makes sense. Damn, you do that all that every week? That sounds exhausting. <laughs> It's a, remember, it's a lot of work. It used to just be at the whoever the last four bros at the corner club were the night before were playing golf first thing in the morning. And that was it. Well, and then if someone in the foursome falls out, then I got to go to like the second round of people. And then I got to go to like the tertiary people. And then it's like that one guy that I talked to like five years ago. I got to ask him about it. Yeah. Do you like you book the tea time for four and then inevitably somebody bails and now you're you're on the hook for the for the cash. And, the, you know, oh, I'll get it to you after payday, you know, and then. You know, there goes Johnny, and they're going to talk to him again. Well, the prepaid, the prepaid rounds are tricky, man. You better have lockdown commitments. Most of them, I would say these days, you just reserve the time, and you pay at the course, and they just charge you a little fee in case you do cancel. So that makes sense. Okay. But Enough. I'll let you get back to the bad golfer. No, I, I loved that. We have two. Two mad golfers of the week. This first one is from Eddie1127 1022. It's titled Needs Maintenance Bad. And I say bad that way because it's in all caps. Here's Eddie. The next time they aerated the greens, they need to learn how to either rick or sweep some of the sand. I have never before had to play on the greens with my sandwich in place of my butter. Horrific. Now I remember why I picked this one. <laughs> what? So he meant to say. The next time they aerate the greens, they need to learn how to either rake or sweep the sand. I've never had to play before on greens with my sand wedge in place of my putter, but he swapped out rick for rake and sandwich for for sand wedge. Nothing makes me laugh more. Thank you, Eddie, for that, by the way. Nothing that makes me laugh more is when someone is pissed off enough to go online, write an email, but is too angry. To proofread it before <laughs> pressing send, like Eddie was today. This other one, I hope Eddie posted that and then <laughs> realized his mistake right away, but couldn't do anything. He's like, "Well, I, I guess I have to leave it." That's how mad I was. Uh, this one, I, I also found really funny. Uh, this other mad golfer of the week is Wilson picks it one. This one is titled "No Yard Markings." This is from Wilson. Why can't you put 150 yard marker in the ground? What are they? $1 a piece? Come on, man. Everybody does not have a GPS. (laughs) $1 a piece? Where, where's Wilson shopping for sporting goods equipment? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God. And for those of you who are in the Portland metro area and do play Rose City and agree with Wilson, you're wrong. There are different colored trees at 150 yards at Rose City, one of the many charming characteristics of one of Portland's best municipal courses. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question is, is, is he right? So, so there's, they, they can't spare the, you know, $18 to, to put 1,850 yard markers in, but they, they have different colored trees. Like, what are we talking here? They painted so, a tree or, or what were we talking? No, no so like. <laughs> it was like a white be, fake Christmas tree. Would, in the middle yeah, of the a flock tree from 150 out. No, so, you know, you have all the tall uh, Doug firs everywhere around here in Portland. And then at about 150 yards. Tree, the 150. <laughs> well, it is a tree native to Oregon, but I think it's like a Japanese maple or something that looks obviously different than the evergreen trees. And sure, you probably wouldn't know that that's 150 yards out unless you had local knowledge of the course or just ask anybody who's played it before. I understand Wilson's point, but... I think yeah. it keeps with some of the charm of the golf course. That, that does sound very charming. I'm just trying to – I'm trying to be the, the neutral party here and, and I'm trying to think of like how long it would take me to figure out <laughs> that out there the by yourself. I probably would take me about three holes because I'd, I'd probably be in the trees three three holes in a row and I'd be like, damn it, I'm in the trees again. Oh, I'm 150 out. This is a random-ass tree. And then like the second hole, same thing. And then eventually I'd be like, oh, that's that, that – that same tree. So yeah, it would take me a little while to figure that out. The same distance out. And if I had I the shanks, if I had the shanks, I'd be out there before I before I ever put it together. <laughs> well, Rose City, you have to go through four to get back to the parking lot. So you'd have to stick it out a little bit longer than you did there. <laughs> oh boy. Um, it's now time for Nick to educate the audience. It's Nick Rules. Theme song pending. Yeah. So we're talking about winter golf and specifically bad weather golf. Uh, so I thought I would talk about rule 14.1C, oh, which is favorites? cleaning the ball. So do you, when you're playing a course, so when you, you, you're playing in these tough conditions, you get mud balls. Are, oh. are you playing lift, clean in place? What, what, what are you doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, okay. You just decided amongst your group, all right, balls in the hand today. Yeah, look, the president of the Glenavere Men's Club is my Joe Biden. So whatever he says, it goes. Yeah. So I just wanted to educate you and the listeners on the times when you cannot clean your ball when you lift it. So Mm. basically, under the rules of golf, out of all the rules that allow you to lift your ball, you can always clean it. Except a few certain circumstances. And to help memorize it, I kind of changed it a little bit. So you can clean it, except if you're lifting it to check it. So if you're checking it to see if it's cut or cracked, you cannot clean it. If you're checking it to identify it, to see if, if that is in fact your ball, you can't clean it unless like there's a patch of mud over the, the place where you marked your ball and you need to you know move it just to be able to identify it. In that case, you can or to check to see if it's in a situation where relief is rela- is allowed. So, like, you might remember that Patrick Reed situation a year or so ago. That's what I was thinking of. He was pulling it up to see if it was embedded in there. Um, so, if you're checking to see if it's it was embedded in it and it was not embedded and you don't get relief, you cannot clean it. But if you then are able to get relief, then you're allowed to have the ball in your hand anyways, and then you can clean it. Um so those are the situations you cannot clean it. Also, the only other one, if it interferes with play. So basically, like if you're in a bunker and your your two balls are touching your you and a partner's balls are next to each other in the bunker or fairway or somewhere, and it interferes with play, you can't clean it in that situation. Any other time the ball is in your hand, you can clean it. I'm trying to think if Patrick Reed, when he picked up that ball, just gave it a little... <sighs> And uh, tried tried to clean off the ball a little bit. So basically what you're saying is you are not allowed to clean the ball unless you picked it up in a lift clean and place situation or you're on the green. Because what would be a third situation that you could? It seems like those are the only two. Well, there's situations where you're getting relief from whatever it might be. Like if you're, if you're involved oh, in like a cart fence. Path. Anytime you can pick up, yeah, if it's on the cart path, you're getting relief. If it's in um, ground under repair, 
uh, or if it's in standing water. Anytime you're allowed to pick it up, you can also clean it, except for those situations. Mm. Okay. I like that. It's another exciting edition of Nick Rules. And before we move on, I have one more thing I want to say, Nick, about rules. You've worked at golf tournaments before, not on the PGA Tour, but is it possible for you to describe why there aren't dozens and dozens of rules officials available for the biggest PGA Tour events? Why is there ever a situation where someone is left to their own devices to make a ruling? These guys are, are you talking about the PGA at, Tour or are you talking about the PGA wait, Tour? Your men's league. The, no, not the <laughs> No, I'm talking about the Players Championship, the US Open, the British Open. Why should there ever be a question as what's going on in the golf course? They have all these resources and these tournaments bring in so much money. Why can't they have more volunteers or, for God's sakes, people who are paid to make sure the rules of the game are being followed? Yeah, I think I, I don't have any insider knowledge on that, but mm-hmm. I definitely have a, a guess. I mean, I, a couple of reasons. Number one, I mean, there are rules officials available to every group. They're just sure. – they don't have necessarily – I don't think they have one on, assigned to every group. They probably have, I don't know, somewhere between three and six for the for the course. So you're probably never more than three holes away. My guess is, number one, having people with that high level of knowledge, I mean, it, it's it, – it's very intricate to be able to go into a situation with a golfer telling you why they get a certain ruling and you need to be really confident in the rule and the situation to actually make an objective ruling um, and not just say like, oh, this guy's pissed off. I'm not exactly sure. He must be right and just go. So to have the consistency that they really desire, probably fewer cooks in the kitchen is better uh, just to ensure that consistency. And it's like I said, rules school and golf is is really complex and it's, it's like there's like a rule certification and there's like it's like national trainings. You don't just like show up to the local YMCA and get your certificate. Like it's 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 a pretty intricate and, and tough thing. It's like one of those things where I don't know what the percentage, but I think a large number of people fail the uh, the rules test. Um, so I, I think it's a combination of those things. They will probably want to keep the consistency, and they probably just aren't a ton of people who are like literally rules experts who can handle that pressure and make good decisions under the under the gun like that. That makes sense. NFL officials aren't full-time employees, or they may be now, but I don't think they were for a long, long time. It's not like they're studying the NFL during the offseason, and that's what their vocation is. And you're right. There's so many rules. Your posture is almost just as important as the ruling you give. Like, you got to have credibility to stand up to Patrick Reed, or like we saw with Daniel Berger a couple weeks ago at the Players' Championship. Like, you have to know your stuff. And if you're having 50-some-odd people making these really crucial decisions – it could backfire rather than waiting and letting the players police themselves and the rules official being there as well. Yeah. And in, in, in um, any other sport, you, you're okay with a bad call. You know, if an ump calls a, a ball a strike, you, you, you shout and then you let it go. Basketball, football, you miss a PI call, ah, you get mad and then you let it go. But if if somebody gets a wrong ruling in golf, like I feel like they would hold on to that for years, if not forever. Like this guy, because you can literally say he cost me two strokes. If I finished two strokes higher, that would have been four hundred more thousand dollars. He should owe, you know, it's just different. It's a different animal than any other sport. Like I can't imagine if like there was just at rules officials getting it wrong on the PGA tour routinely. And then people just being like, ah, oh, well, you know what? You know, he's human like that. I, I can't, I can't imagine that take. If a ruling led to someone losing a major championship, it would be scandal. Yeah. I mean, I like, mean we saw, what was it? There was, there, there was an umpire in baseball, like, I don't know, four or five years ago who messed up a call that I think ruined a no hitter or a perfect game. And he like tigers. Yeah. Did it happen to the tiger? Of course it yes. did. Of course it happened to the tigers. <laughs> But the, didn't that umpire like retire in shame, like after like a thirty-year career or something? Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Don't be a rules official. That's that's. Do, I don't do know not. why anyone would want to be not. a referee. I mean, you, you could be in a position where you have to assess Jay Monahan's brother a two-shot penalty. So you, that's that's a tough spot for anybody to be in. Nick, I've got an old-time whimsy to close things out. Let's do it. This is from Tommy Armour, the first. Golf is an awkward set of bodily contortions designed to produce a graceful result. Agreed. All right, Nick's got nothing. 
That'll do it for us. Remember, leave that review on Apple Podcasts. Include your Masters winner, and you have a chance to win a pack of Piper Golf Balls. Use that promo code TURN10 at checkout. The Masters are coming. We're going to have a big old preview with Patrick McDonald. He's in, by the way. Did you see that, Nick? Yeah. He's coming. It's it's, it's going to be great. <laughs> you're on mute if you're saying things right now to end the oh episode. Oh, my God. Oh, it's okay. You know what? We have to leave this all in. It's, it's going to stay in. It's going to be fun. The Masters are happening. We have a very special guest next week. Thanks for listening, patrons. 